amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We're coming to you live from my home where I'm quarantined with my five cats who you may hear whining in the background. They want to know why in the hell I'm here all the time. And if I'm going to be home, why aren't I paying attention to them 100% of the time? It's just not going to happen. I, I don't have that many arms and that much cat food. So <laughs> so a funny thing happened on the way to Facebook one day or in my email. I was reading, um, I guess in Crime Reads, uh, an article from Mystery Tribune that was titled 10 Types of Authors Who Can Go Fuck Themselves. And it was by my friend Gabino Iglesias. And I thought, you know, Now's as good a time as any to have Dr. Iglesias come and join me on the air. Welcome, Gabino. Hello, Pam. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm so glad that we're to we're finally together after kind of, you know, dancing around this for a while. I want to just say to everybody who's not who's not familiar with Gabino's work, he is the author of Coyote Song, Zero Saints, um, Gut and Gut Mouth, which is from Eraserhead Press. He also book reviews for Pank Magazine. He's the film and TV editor at Entropy Magazine, and a columnist for Lit, Lit Reactor and Class. His nonfiction has appeared in places like the New York Times, Los Angeles Review of Books, L.A. Times, El Nuevo Dia, and other venue. The stuff that's been made up has been published in places like Red Fest, Flash Fiction Offensive, Drunk Monkeys, Bizarro Central, Paragraph Line, Divergent Magazine, Seas Cows, and many, many other anthologies and places. Um, <laughs> I love this. When he's not writing or reading... And teaching, by the way. He works as a dog whisperer. Well, not really. Um, a witty communications <laughs> professor and ballerina assassin. Well, hey, that's his bio. So welcome officially to Authors on the Air, Gavino. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to my, see you here. My pleasure. So I want to kick it off, first of all, with your your very hysterical Art, well, I thought it was hysterical, but with a lot of truth to it, obviously. Your article from Mystery Tribune, 10 Types of Authors Who Can Go Fuck Themselves. Let's talk about this and what it is that set you off to write this particular article. Oh, wow. Oh, all right, so um, I, I really love using Twitter. 
And then at some point I realize you can say something that makes a lot of sense on Twitter. And a lot of folks will reply to your tone or they will get angry because you're actually insulting them. Now, every time I say something insulting, it, it'll be something like, hey, all racists are assholes. If you have a problem with that statement, the problem is not really the statement. The problem is you. So I don't really care about what you have to say. Um, so I realized that every time that I said something about publishing or diversity or racism or my own struggles or loving you know, the fact that I get to, you know, create words and, and stories and narratives and get paid for it, and it's an amazing gig, somebody was always angry. Uh, and then I also started identifying types of authors uh, online who were always uh, tagging famous writers or who were continually just complaining about how much editing sucks and I don't want to edit the story. And, you know, the, the editor that I'm working with is horrible and sent me so many notes. And I was like, you, if you don't want to edit, don't write because that's, that's part of the gig. And I started collecting them mentally. Um, and a couple of years ago, I wrote a version of that for um, – for Clash, they used to have a website. Uh, that thing went viral, and then Clash uh, decided to focus on their books, and they they were just pouring money into the website. They just closed it up, and everything disappeared. Oh, um, oh no! And now, I guess two and a half, maybe three years later, I thought maybe it's time to bring this back because um, a lot of people forgot about it. A lot of people haven't read it, uh, and I really liked it. So I kind of had. Uh, part of the original and then I went and rewrote the intro and added a couple things and sent it to the good folks at the Mystery Tribune and I'm still getting feedback. I think it came out like a week and a half two weeks ago and uh, yeah, people are still talking about it either laughing or really really angry. Well I have to tell you when I posted it on my Facebook page um, the romance writers were very upset and I said this really doesn't pertain to you because you are in a little bit different class although with the implosion of RWA this past year you know maybe not yeah. maybe I'm you know just <laughs> soft peddling it so I want to talk about the I want to talk about the 10 things that really ticked you off so um, authors who are professional coattail writers what is that? Um, let's see. Um, I, if every time that I tweet about my book, if I would tag everybody that has blurbed it in the hopes of having them, um, giving me a little retweet and, you know, amplifying that, that, that signal, uh, or if I was always, uh, replying to famous authors in, in, you know, an attempt to get a little bit of attention for myself, or if I participated in, in a certain way that uh, authors do, which is every time somebody asks for book recommendations, I'm going to give them a link to my own book. Um, or if I started emailing every famous author that I'm friends with and mentioning how hard life is and can you just hook me yeah. up with your agent maybe, um, oh, th geez. that would be that would be it. Oh, yeah. Um you know, I as I as you well know, because you and I have known each other for a few years. I am not a writer, but I cannot tell you how many times people <laughs> ask me for book blurbs or ask me to introduce them <laughs> to someone who's been a guest on this show, and it really puts me in an awkward position because I don't. First of all, I'm, I'm glad to read anybody's book if they want to send it to me, but. I don't know any agents. I mean, I know a few. And 
I find them the same way everybody else does. I, you know, look and see in the back of a book if they're acknowledged or in the front of a book. You know, right. that's the only way. I, you go to Publishers Marketplace and you find out who's soliciting. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know anyone I can just call up and say, hey, this is a really good book. I think you should take this person on. <laughs> yeah, it's a fallacy. And me blurbing a book is ridiculous because, hello, I'm a talk show host. I'm not an author. So, you know. <laughs> but that makes it, you a personality. So I, I think, yeah. No, there's no cred. Believe me, there's no there's no cred at all. Okay, so three <laughs> authors who who forgot how to be humble. Um, <laughs> you're a book reviewer, and I review books too. I read about 400 books a year. Um, I, I recently had a case where someone asked me to for an interview on the show, and um, I said, okay, you know just drop me a note. And so I got two really aggressive messengers in, in, in messenger. Yeah. And I said, can you just like send this to my email? And he posted my email on my Facebook page. Is this still your email? And I'm like, Oh my God, I've been spammed so much. No. <laughs> and so uh, I had to delete it. And then sent me two days in a row, really angry emails that I hadn't answered back. Well, you know, we, make this um, network there are 20 shows that I produce we make this network open and available to as many people as we can especially during times when there are no book signings and events and stuff like that and um, so that means my usual 300 emails a day request jumped up to about 600 and so keeps you entertained well but I mean I think that Pounding me to get on the show is probably not being <laughs> humble enough. It's probably different for you, but that is what happened to me. So, what's happened to you that authors forgot how to be humble? Uh, I've heard, uh, I was very surprised when I started getting requests uh, for blurbs because I'm nobody. So, that led to a series of conversations. There's, there's a difference between knowing who you are and what you've done and having the type of reply if somebody starts messing with you, you, you do the Roxanne Gay thing and you say, uh, I can right. wallpaper your house with my CV, motherfucker. Uh, right. And then all, only talking about the good stuff and just talking about yourself all the time and all the right. things that you've accomplished. The, the minute that I start to think about the things that I've accomplished, I start remembering Every no, every rejection, every bad right. thing that happened on the way there. And that just pushes me to keep going. Uh, I can't pay all my bills with writing. So I'm not going to act like I can. I still right. write articles for 10 bucks a pop because I need to eat food and put gas in my car. So right. Stay humble. You can celebrate. Like, hey, I, I, I got selected for some thing where I made a list. And I'm completely honored by it. And then you share it and you celebrate it for a couple minutes. But the next day you can go back to, hey, I'm I'm still looking to pitch a few stories, see if I can make a couple bucks so I can go buy milk and eggs. Um, right. Staying stay humble is no, it's not that hard because I know very successful writers who are incredibly gracious and humble and they're constantly oh, paying it forward and they're nice oh, people. Oh, you're kidding. 
So that you that, are not if, kidding. If you can't be that that good, then you know, go fuck yourself. Yep, there you go. So authors who don't know how to use social media, this one is a really big thing for me because um, as with this author who wrote to me and demanded to be on the show, uh, I looked for uh, the two books that were supposedly self-published. Well, first, they're compilations and not written by this particular author. But the Amazon website is not up to date, nor is the author website up to date. And there's no social media presence except um, pimp my book, you know, on, my, on, on the timeline. Now, I don't have a book to pimp. But even on my Authors on the Air page, I don't, I post a wide variety of things, you know. I post on my personal page a bunch of stuff. And I'm a Twitter twit. I don't know how to do it the right way. So I've learned if I want to use Twitter, I just have to connect my Facebook page to Twitter. And I'll do some other stuff. But, um, but if you – I can't sell your books for you. Does that make sense? I, I can't sell right. your books. If you don't have a social media presence and you're not tapping in to the people out there, what good does that do? I mean, how are you going to get the word out when it's in the time of coronavirus? Yeah, you you won't. Yeah, you, you won't I get think, it out. And then the yeah, I, I I don't know about you, Gabino, but I think that. You know, being friends with readers is really important. Having an active presence, interacting. Um, social media is just that. It is social media. And it's what you what you have to do if you want to be a writer. It, it's just the way yeah. of things. I'm sorry you can't go to the, you know, the like the five and dime and get your book thrown in there and, you know, hope to make a living like that. This is just part of it now. And um, and as kind of off topic, we're going to talk about publishing after coronavirus. That's something I want to talk to you about. Okay. So authors who put down people that they've read and talk smack about other genres. Give me your feedback on this one. I have a, I have a collection in my head of, of the faces of certain people when they say things like, you know, I hate YA. And then in the middle of that conversation, I kind of mention, you know, Oh, you love, you love a, a, let's say, Joe Lansdale. Well, he wrote a YA novel, and then suddenly everything right. changes. If you right. don't like romance, if you don't like paranormal things with, like, ghosts and ladies make love, I get it. Do you. Go read whatever you enjoy. If I read a novel that I love, I would rather spend my time talking about why I love it and trying to put right. it into more people's hands than saying... You know, this thing sucks. Uh, we all hate, uh, uh, I forgot her name, uh, Twilight, uh, whatever her name was. I, guess. <laughs> I, I haven't read her name in a while. Uh, Stephanie Mayer. Uh, yeah. A lot of people think, you know, James Patterson doesn't write his own books. It's fine to make fun of that every once in a while. We all need to, like, release a little pressure. Uh, but if you spend more time talking smack about the things that you hate than you do plugging the things that you love, it's kind of a waste of time. Like, how sour are you? Just enjoy the things that you enjoy and try to share them and plug them and put in other people's hands as much as possible. And I'd, I'd rather do that. In many cases, I, I turn down reviews because I start reading a book and then I realize I have absolutely nothing good to say. 
So I'm just going to email the editor and, you know, uh, just yeah. say that I, I don't want to, I'm not the right person to do this because it's, I don't know, historical romance and the pacing's not for me. So I'm like, I'm fatigued. Right. I'd rather not do this. Let's just move on. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I understand exactly where you're coming from. There's a, a lot of hate on on a lot of things that seem so silly to me. Nobody's forcing you to buy romance if you don't like it. Nobody's forcing you to buy horror if you don't like it. Um, but certainly don't diss it because that's somebody's hard work. And whether yeah. it's good or bad, you're no judge if you don't like the genre. So I get you. Um Speaking of authors who want to destroy narrative, explain this one to me because, well, I know what narrative is, obviously, but I'd like to see where you're coming from on this. There's a there's a certain number of novels out there, and, and many authors, um, where there's no there's no plot, uh, mm-hmm. there's no beginning, middle, and end. There's mm-hmm. no there's no character development. There's no action. There's absolutely nothing of any of the elements that you would expect in a book. And the argument usually is, you know, I'm just I'm destroying narrative. So I'm just going to write a single word 700 times in a chapter. And you're supposed to understand that this is brilliant because this is the art that I'm creating. Well, maybe, <laughs> just maybe, you don't have what it takes to tell a story. Because right. world building and, and character development and pacing, all that other stuff comes later. But the, the main thing, the thing that's at the core of what we do is telling compelling stories. So right. once you start trying to deconstruct narrative and then put it together again in some kind of weird, bizarre form where time doesn't matter and the words that you use doesn't matter and you don't need dialogue or characters or action – you're just putting together a whole bunch of words. In many cases, I'm, I'm, I'm a dumb individual, so in many cases, maybe it is brilliant, but don't feed me that line about every everything that you do is experimental and you never tell a yeah. story because you destroy narrative. Because I've seen it way yeah. too many times. It's, it's hard to bullshit a bullshitter, you know? So. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, it's interesting that, that uh, I have had – Many writers and publicists say um, this is, you know, speculative. This is um, mashup, all, all that. It's, those kind of words scare me a little bit because um, <laughs> it's it's like I'm not sure what that means always, you know. And um, it's it's very existential. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I want someone to tell me a good story. I'm not particular about – there are two things I don't necessarily like to read but will if it's really well written. Um, but if you're trying to say you're doing a new take on writing, it makes me nervous, you know. And, and so, why. Just, just, I think there's ways of framing it. Like I'm, I'm really doing an experiment to see how far I can push my readers and – uh, I'm right. going to give them a book that's 300 pages long, and I, it's the same line over and over and over and over again. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's brilliant. Maybe I do that and I win an award. It's not the kind of stuff that I do, and I, I, don't, I haven't met anybody who does that type of literature who, right. going back to a couple of pointers back, who's humble about it. It's like, hey, I'm just trying to figure out my network. No, it's always people say this sucks. 
because they're dumbasses and they don't get what I'm doing. I'm just right, fucking right. narrative and, and then, no, you're not. Just, <laughs> you're writing gibberish. <laughs> you get that. <laughs> the same words a hundred times. It's not. Come on. So authors just spend more time beefing than writing. Boy, I tell you, one of the things I say is, do you still enjoy writing? And you'd be surprised how many times I hear no. And um, that kind of breaks my heart because I think true writers want to write and have to write and want to make it their best. But maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Maybe if you hate the writing process now, Maybe it's time to move on to something else. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to understand it now because I've met other writers whose level of success has allowed them to make a living out of writing, and then they have a deadline, and they know that uh, the, the continuation of their careers and, and, and putting foot on the table depends on turning in that next novel that they already had a contract for like a year ago. And now I'm kind of understanding some of the individuals who have a harder time enjoying the process. Uh, but I, I wake up before in the morning, I start my day, I go teach high school, I come back home, I teach my MFA classes online. When I sit down to write, I sit down to write because I want to write, I right. need to write, and I'm carving out time that I don't have to actually get it done. So I, I'm making right. sure that I enjoy every minute of the process. Um so I don't have time to argue with people online. Uh, just, yeah, I'm getting very friendly with the block and the uh, mute button on social media. So I don't know. Yeah. I can't afford no, I, I three, 400 words every day on beef. Yeah. Okay, authors who don't support other authors. To me, this is a mortal sin. This is a mortal sin in this community because those people who have never been or in a book signing where other authors are or haven't been to a conference large or small where authors gather up together um you would know it is a camaraderie and you are not competing against anybody else you are your only person standing in your way is you so why trash talk other authors why not lift up the the arts in that way. So I'm with you 100% on don't support other authors. I want to support authors, and I'm not an author. But that you wouldn't stab someone in the back because you're of jealousy or you think you're all that. I don't get it, Gabino. I, it makes two of us. I, I, don't, I don't do it as a, as a writer, and uh, I don't do it as a reviewer. I, I tend to pitch books for review that I – believe I'm going to thoroughly enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. I never hate pitch a review. I'm not going to read a, a Bill O'Reilly book just so I can tear it to shreds, uh, even though he deserves it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm just, I just don't have the time. I, I'd rather uh, pitch books that, that I know I'm going to enjoy and then write uh, positive reviews because that's just another way of, of trying to help folks out who are in the same boat that I am. Um, I want to just... I'm going to do kind of a little soft promo right here. Um, on Facebook, there is a page called the Book Review Crew that is run by this network. And I have to tell you that that is a dedicated group of, of reviewers who review in every genre, 
who do a subjective and an objective review and then give a recommendation. Their reviews have been picked up by publishers to use on author websites. And I'm not joking when I tell you that, you know, Michael Conley's (laughs) um, publicist was so excited by the review, they shared it wide. So, um, and they reach hundreds of thousands of people. And so anybody who writes books and wants to go ahead and get a review I know it's a little bit of a wait because the team isn't that big, but they are happy to review books. Okay, so um, just go there and send them a PM. Um, authors, authors who are so salty they feel they need to reply to this piece. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of a self-explanatory. So let's kick it over to authors who think what they do is a gift to the world. Um, I've I've met some of those authors. I, I really have. I'm sorry. And some really big names who think that they're changing lives by their fiction. And I don't understand that. You're making my life better by good storytelling, and it's entertainment. But you haven't changed who I am because of being a writer. So, <laughs> so what do we what do we say about that? I mean, do you open my eyes to other worlds? Yes. Do you open my eyes to yeah. like Latino noir? Yeah, of course. You know, growing up in Miami, though, it's it's not it's not uncomfortable for me whatsoever. I love it, but. Um, I, I want my eyes to be open, but you're not profoundly changing my personality. And you are not someone I'm going to trail behind and throw rose petals at. No, and, and I don't think any writer out there uh, deserves that. We yeah. we tell stories, we entertain, we do political things. We Sometimes we try to educate. Um, sometimes it's just anger that comes out. The point is I've, I've met a lot of writers who, and, and we talk about, here are some of the writers that uh, that shaped me. And then let's say they're fellow horror writers. I'll say things like, you know, obviously I was I was like 12 when I started reading Stephen King and Richard Lehman and Brian Keene. And these folks kind of changed the way that I looked at horror and then and Bentley right. Riddle and Jack Ketchum. And, and then they kind of changed the way that I did that. It's up to me to tell them when I talk to Brian and say, hey, Brian, do, you, you kind of changed the way that I looked at horror and – you're a huge influence. He shouldn't and he doesn't walk around telling young writers, read me because I will help you shape your writing career and help you right. you know, decide what you want to do. He doesn't right. do that. He doesn't have to because people like me will say it for them. So if you're right. the kind of person who says that of the bad about yourself, it's like the same way I turn on with you is when the email starts with, this is the best Twitter, you're going to read this. And I, oh, wait, the guy who wrote it is emailing me about his own book saying it's the best book that I'm going to read every year. Well, right. <laughs> no, it's not happening. I'm not even um, so. It's true. It is true. I have to say overall that I've had the pleasure of meeting hundreds and thousands of writers who are great people, who are warm and accommodating and kind um, to a reader like me. I am not another writer, but I have traveled around quite a bit going to conferences, and I've been very, right. very honored to be 
included in as part of the tribe at times. So to me, that's really, really important. And, um, you know, I appreciate it more than I can tell you. I want to talk about your writing for a, a, a little while because um, while I have not read everything that you have written, um, I've read enough of your work to know that I really love it. I love your work so much because it's, it's so inclusive, but it feels very authentic to me. So um, you started reading at a very young age. You just admitted that you started reading horror. It is a, a genre I cannot read because I'm a really big Frady cat. I mean, I used to watch, you know, <laughs> Boris Karloff black and white movies that scare the dickens out of me. So I <laughs> readily admit I've never read Stephen King, although I've seen a couple of his movies. Um, all right. What what twisted it up for you? What 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 was it that you that happened to you that you said this is what I want to do? I mean, I want to put words on paper. I was uh, I was never a huge. Fan. I've always been a fan of movies, but I wasn't ever a huge fan of TV. Uh, mm-hmm. I've gotten to series. I've never seen uh, the L Word or uh, um, I don't know the Sopranos. I was never a big TV guy. Um, I was either out of the house in the streets or. If I was home, I was trying to read. And um, at some point very early on, I realized the the words on the page are either entertaining me or making me angry or scaring me or whatever. I I can learn to do that with words if I keep reading. So I got stories to tell because I've seen some weird shit. And I know it would make for a fun little story. Um, and I wrote my first story. I was probably, I don't know, eighth grade. Um, and it was about a, a woman in my neighborhood who, of, of course, I didn't know you were supposed to change names. Um, <laughs> she gets pregnant by a monster, and she has a monster child, and she puts it away in this secret basement. And one day, the monster child breaks out, and he hasn't been socialized. And he kills a lot of people that I didn't like in my, in my, in my hood. Um, uh-huh. So my parents were called into school, at which time I realized, wow, this is the power of words. <laughs> I can write a story, right. and everybody, you know, uh, starts panicking. And at that moment, I was I was sold. I I didn't know what I had to do. Um, my my country is a uh, hundred miles long by thirty five miles wide and has no um, no publishing atmosphere scene to to talk about um I didn't know. I just knew that I wanted to I wanted to put words on the page and tell stories and hopefully make people feel things the way that books make me feel things. And right. I've been ever since, so Well, um I am thrilled to to know that Coyote Songs and Coyote, which is how we say it, and Zero Saint has done so well. I mean your writing is spectacular and um <laughs> It's just lovely. And for those of you who have never read any Latino Noir, um, you really are missing out on a rich cultural experience. So um, congratulations on that. Tell us about the newest book, Gabino. I'm trying to get it done before it kills me, and I'm trying to use the time that the uh, quarantine has uh, given me, uh, not by choice, but it's given it to me anyway. Uh, to get this thing done, I'm about forty thousand words in, and uh, I was I was talking to 
friend online a couple, uh, I don't know, a week ago. And uh, uh-huh. she had me read a short passage from the beginning of that one. And I hadn't realized uh, that it starts with leukemia. But at the end of that, I said, don't worry, it starts with leukemia, but then it gets worse. Um, so I think that's, that's going to be my line. I'm going to go with that for the next book. It starts with leukemia, but then it gets worse. <laughs> Do you find writing... Um... I, I want to say, do, do the words come to you when you're ready to sit down and write? Oh, no, I think the ideas come, and then they have to they have to cross this dangerous uh, woods uh, to get from my brain uh, to the page. And in my brain, they they sound so great and they look amazing, and then I end up with some weirdly mutated shitty version of <laughs> what I had in my head on the page. Uh, and then I just try to, I just try to make it sound as awesome as it sounded in my head. Um, and <laughs> which is why I rewrite as I go. Cause it's, it's never the same. Uh, but no, they don't come easy, but I love it anyway. It's, it's a challenge. It's, I, I don't mind editing because every time that I reread it, I go like, this sounded so much better in my head. What can I do yeah. to make it sound more like what I had envisioned, and then I rewrite it, and then it usually sounds a little bit better. It sounds like a well-fed, recently based, mutated baby instead of just the ugly one. <laughs> so, um, are you happy with when you read back your words? Are you happy with it, or do you want to go back and edit over and over and over again? No, I want to go back and change it. Do you really? Are you yeah, ever satisfied I, with the end product? Nope. <laughs> you never are. The one thing, the one thing, I, remember, stay humble. The one thing that I, I think I do well uh, is reading, reading in public, reading my own work. And every time that I read my own work, I find things that I would like to go back and rewrite. Interesting. Um yeah, that's why you don't want to go back to your first books. You never want to go back at all. But do you feel yourself? Do you do you feel your that you're improving though, Gabino? Oh, with every book, that that's the goal. I, I that's why I edit. That's why I read out loud and, and rework and try to make it sound better. And I think that's one of the. I, I a lot of writers try to die on this weird hill, which is like you don't have to read a lot to be a writer. Um, I guess I forgot to add those to the list, but if you think you don't need to re- read like a maniac to be a good writer, go fuck yourself too. Um, you're wrong. Yeah. Um, so yeah, every you time have that to. I read something that inspires me, I, I try to analyze it, and I'm not going to do these exact same thing because I don't want to steal anybody's voice, but what can I do to make my work this good? And I think as we keep writing and writing and rewriting and editing and reading out loud and sharing with people and reading more books, we we have to get better. It's like practice makes yeah. perfect, right? Except in this gig, you never get to perfect. So you teach writing classes to underprivileged kids and kids who really do not have the things a lot of us take for granted. What is the first thing you tell your students? There's this weird idea that writing has to be about certain things. I mean, I think the first idea that blows their mind uh, especially like journalism, is you, you can write about whatever you want. Don't listen to mm-hmm. anybody. This is about whatever you are interested in. Um, so in that journalism class I teach in high school, some of them are like, can I write about 
soccer? I'm like, yeah, you can write about soccer. Really? In class? I'm like, yeah, we can talk about soccer all year long if that's what you're into. And then suddenly that opens up this entire world, which is like I don't have to do anything because I'm forced. I, I just have to talk about my passions. And then suddenly they discover right. that uh, they can write about whatever they want, which is sometimes, oddly enough, uh, something they've never had before. It's like you have to read right. this book and write this thing or here's the theme for your essay. Uh, and just letting them know that it's it's completely whatever you want, kind of. You have a eureka moment sometimes. Um, you also do, you're a prolific book reviewer. And um, I know that your writer friends appreciate that. You have, there are certain authors that you really like to read a lot. Um, whose books are on your nightstand or on your e-reader right now? Uh, let's see. This morning I finished uh, Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier. Jennifer, uh, who's one of the best in the business, Jesus Christ, can that woman write? Uh, I know she's great. When I grow up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she's I finished, amazing. Uh, I finished that. Um, I'm about ten pages from finishing a wonderful novel called uh, uh, "What's Left of Me Is Yours" uh, by oh, yeah. Stephanie Scott. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving that. Um, it's it's richly developed. Uh, she did a lot of research. I'm I'm learning about Japanese culture. Um, like I usually don't learn except when I'm reading actual Japanese authors. Uh, so right. kudos to her for the uh, for the amount of research that went into that. Uh, I'm also revisiting the um, all the classic uh, Junji Ito. Now that I mentioned Japan, I remember that I'm writing an essay on humanity and his work. So I'm reading. A few of uh, I'm reading Gio and Usumaki, you know. I'm reading Tommy right now, so that's been fun. Um, what else am I reading right now? Reading a lot of poetry for Pink. Uh, wow, love poetry in the morning. So. Natural, na- National Poetry Month. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yep, yep. We had uh, Earth Day, National Poetry Month, and National Library week all in the same month and I don't think a lot of people recognized there was a lot going on this year in all of the genres so um, I want to get your take Gabino on what happens in publishing when we kind of reset this country during coronavirus what do you think you see happening either with the big publishing houses or the smaller ones and do you think I think for the first time ebooks are soaring, but um what do you think? How is this going to change writing and publishing? I don't see immediate changes coming up. Um, mm-hmm. I do see obviously um ebooks are picking up because folks just can't go to the bookstore and uh right. They have to wait, I don't know, two weeks um, from for Amazon to deliver. They're not used to that anymore. Folks are like, I want to order it today and read it tomorrow. Um, right. That's not happening anymore. But I'm worried because I'm worried about other things that I realized recently sort of impact the book business, which is we're talking about, what, 26 million folks currently unemployed. Right. How are you going to sell a hardback um, to – you know, 30 bucks to somebody who can't afford rent right now. Um, so 
I'm, I'm worried about people being able to put food on the table uh, and then making an honest living in a way that allows them to, here's my rent, here's my water, electricity, my phone bill, all my expensive food, gas, and here's a couple hundred dollars that I can waste on my Netflix account and, you know, buying a couple records and going to the movies and buying a couple books. Um, so hopefully we can get back uh, back to that point. Um, yeah. Also kind of hurts because I think Dignidad um, Literaria, which was in, in, you know, the whole American dirt uh, BS, it was making strides. It was it was becoming an important movement, and then it's tempered it a little bit, kind of made it go quiet. Yeah. Um, Right, but I was I was seeing some beautiful things in terms of starting to open doors for for others. I was seeing um, interest from agents and you know the own voices movement, and I was, sure. I was seeing some good things. So hopefully we can get back to that, and then obviously our our models have to change. Uh, there's Bookshop.org. I love what they're doing. Um, we need to go back to let's not get all of our books from Amazon all the time. We put all of our right. eggs. That one basket happened, so um, I need to stretch some new muscles and find a new way to do this thing and try to make a living at it. Um, I, I think the thing I miss the most is, you know, going to book signings and going to conferences and seeing everyone and being able to broadcast live right. and, and to meet all of my literary heroes. Um, you mentioned earlier that you never was a television, you were never a television watcher. I don't own a television. I have not for almost, almost 15 <laughs> years. <laughs> uh, so I get it completely. Um, I can stream movies or even television if I want it on my laptop, but you know, I have a, a tiny little laptop, so I don't know that I get the rich right. experience people do going to a theater or watching on a 90 inch television, whatever size they are now. Um, and I have nothing against it. It's just that when you get out of the habit and into the habit of reading two books a day, then it's a hard habit to break. I don't get the same excitement well i have to admit i do if i go to a star wars movie or a marvel or you know something like that (laughs) dc Uh, if i go to one of those yeah i get the big rush i want to go to the theater but but for the most part you know i i can do without it (laughs) i'm not unaware of what's going on in the world i just i don't have it on all day long (laughs) gabino you mentioned jennifer hillier will you come back and be a guest host and interview jennifer Oh, my God, of course. Okay. I'm going to get with her and set that up because I love Jennifer, and um, she needs to come on the show with the new book. I have it, and um, I got it early from NetGalley, so I was very, very lucky. Um, Tell everyone where they can find you, please, out in the webs. Uh, I'm out uh, in the world, a.k.a. I live on the Internet now. Uh Uh-huh. So come come find me. I don't have a website uh, because I'm not a professional, but I'm on Twitter. Same things that sometimes make sense uh, at uh, Gabino G A B I N O underscore Iglesias I G L E S I A S. Um, come find me there. We'll hang out. We'll talk about books and movies and music and criticize Trump. There you go. <laughs> Gabino, mucho gusto. Uh, I, I, and please, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you and arrange a time. 
for you and, and Jennifer to come on the show. I It's been an honor and a thrill to have you here and a lot of damn fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. The honor was all mine. <laughs> you and I'll talk again soon. Listeners, go read Gabino's books. You can find them on Amazon and used to be other places, but um, tweet him and he'll tell you where to go find his books. He's gotten rave reviews. I'll, I'll send them to you. There you go. There you go. There you go. I'm sending my you my address as soon as we finish, okay? Thank you so much for being with me, listeners, readers, and Gabino. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Have a good one. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.